0: Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey,
3: good afternoon. Welcome to today's edition of Calvary Live. Uh, I will date uh, today's edition. I don't normally date it uh, because we rebroadcast these from time to time. Uh, and uh, but, but because of the, the tragic circumstances of Tuesday, Uh, May 7th. Uh, I definitely want to identify today as May 8th, the day after the tragic shooting at the STEM School uh, in Highlands Ranch, Colorado. And I want to spend a few moments to talk about that, a few moments to uh, open the Word together and remind you of God's faithfulness. It is a tragedy and sorrow. And my heart goes out to <clears throat> everyone involved uh, from a family that lost their son. Uh, as I saw today, they identified uh, the young man that lost his life. I'm going to pull up. His name was Kendrick Castillo. He is the student killed in the STEM uh, school shooting. He was, uh, according to the headline on the KDVR, Um, This is the latest headline on the KDVR Fox 31. Uh, That's a Denver affiliate here. Um, He's credited with saving classmates' lives. Uh, Can I just read to you the article? Uh, It is by Chuck Hickey and Phil Rankin. It was updated today at 3.50 p.m. You can find this at kdvr.com. Byline is Highlands Ranch, Colorado. The student who died in Tuesday's shooting at STEM School Highlands Ranch has been identified and is being credited with helping save the lives of his classmates. 18-year-old Kendrick Castile was a senior at the school. Castillo and at least one other student are believed to have tackled one of the shooters. Kendrick lunged at the suspect and he shot Kendrick, giving us all of us enough time to get underneath our desks to get ourselves safe. And I run across the room to escape, senior Nui Ghiasoli said in an interview Wednesday with NBC News. Ghiasoli said it began when one of the suspects arrived late to class on Tuesday. The next thing I know, he's pulling a gun and is telling nobody to move, uh, he told NBC News. Castillo's parents said his heroic actions were unsurprising. We're not surprised because that was in his makeup, you know. Kendrick was a giving kid. He would do anything to save his friends if he knew he had to do it, said his father, John. His parents said Kendrick's quick thinking prevented more deaths. If he didn't do it, what would this mess look like, John Castillo said. He gave up his life for others. Kendrick's parents said they were told their son probably did not suffer, as his death was likely instant. They said Kendrick planned to attend Arapo Community College. Life's not fair, it's dangerous, and my son paid the ultimate price, John Castillo said. And the Castile parents said they have a message for the community. I want families to get back to being families engaged with their kids. You know, we did that successfully with our kid. We lost him because he was selfless, and he gave up his life, John Castillo said. An 18-year-old man and a juvenile male, and we'll go on to the rest of that. Uh, you can read that for yourself. But uh, we are um, we are greatly encouraged by Kendrick's. Um, tremendous uh, outpouring of sacrificing himself. I'm thinking of his, um, I'm thinking of the, um, the passage of scripture where Jesus said, No greater love than anyone has this uh, to lay down his life for his friends. And um, Kendrick did that. And I pray for the Castile family and I pray for the families of the kids, some of them. Uh, have been released already. Uh, According to some news reports, there are still some children in the ICU uh, in a couple local hospitals here. So if you're here in Denver or you're listening, of course, if you're on the East Coast, this is airing with a one-week delay, so things could have changed by the time you hear this. Um, But our hearts, you know, once again, we are faced with crisis in our city, Um, our metro area. It's not necessarily exclusive. I think back to um, back when in 19, or excuse me, 2017, um, I shared a study here for our church family uh, on terror. This was right after the shooting in Las Vegas where 59 people lost their lives and 500 were injured. 25% of them were in critical condition. Um, But you think back to and I'm not going to name them all because I'm going to miss some in uh, 17. But, you know, Orlando, San Bernardino, Charleston, Washington, D.C., Aurora, Sandy Hook, uh, Country Music Festival. Uh, you add to this now the STEM school in uh, in Highlands Ranch. And, you know, I'm just thinking of the Proverbs when it says in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 25, Do not be afraid... Uh, uh, do not be afraid of sudden terror, nor of trouble from the wicked when it comes. Uh, the psalmist writes uh, in Psalm 91, You shall not be afraid of terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day. It seems as if sudden terror is all around us. Uh, and I began to share a message about that. And, and I think the most important thing for you to realize is that the things that you're feeling in response to this terror is normal. Uh, the feelings you have right now are normal. Uh, they're 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 normal for a normal person experiencing the trauma that you have, uh, and and that you faced, and that even if it's opening up, um, opening up new issues and new things, um, you can um, you can find yourself in a place of just being out of out of mind maybe you're super angry right now or super afraid or um filled with anxiety whatever it might be um but you are what you're feeling is normal and uh, if you want to talk about it you want to pray about it uh, let's do that let's let's uh, limit our discussion to profitable discussions uh constructive discussions and uh and, of course, the phone lines are open for any reason. Um, it doesn't have to be the topic of yesterday. Um, but I have checked in on our friend, Pastor Gino Geraci, uh, who has, still has a few families uh, in his church, from uh, parents from Columbine that attend his church. He checked in on them. And, and of course, uh, Gino was there throughout the whole time. Um, we prayed for those that might be, uh, with all the Aurora shooting and the officers, everything. You know, the police have to just deal with so much difficulty all the time. And, um, you know, we just are are available and open to be ministered to by the Holy Spirit. So give me a call, 303-690-3000, 303-690-3000. Uh, let's go to the phone lines where going to go to Chris in Baltimore, Maryland. Hey, Chris, uh, welcome to the program. Hi, Pastor, how are you doing? Great, how are you?
0: All right. Uh, my, my question is not uh, related to the topic of the uh, school shootings. Yes. Um, yeah, so I was wondering, is there a biblical reference that uh, explains why God put the forbidden fruit, the tree, in the garden in the first place?
3: There's no biblical reference that I can recall that explains that question specifically like we couldn't go and say okay turn over to Ephesians chapter 6 but we can okay. work backwards uh, and come to a summary understanding of why he did it. Uh, I believe biblically the main reason he the main reason he put a a choice of tree in the garden was for that main that very reason to give man a choice, a choice to either obey him or to disobey him. Uh, because in in love, with with love, an expression of the emotion of love and de- loyalty and dependence, there has to be a choice. Uh, and without a choice, it's just forced love. Like if I don't give you any choice and I say, Chris, you must love me. Um, That's not real love. I've made you do it. And God doesn't desire to have forced love. He desires to have a relationship that's freely expressing um, of one's own free will. Uh, And so he puts an option into the garden, um, really just one thing to be limited that that the text tells us. They could enjoy everything in the garden, everything with the exception of one thing, which is... Uh, very similar to how we get in trouble, isn't it? You know, We can enjoy so much, but it's one thing. Um, It seems
0: seems that human nature, we're just inherently not content with no matter what we have. We're always looking for something more.
3: And I don't know about you, but I have this in me sometimes. Not all the time, but especially when I wasn't saved. And that is, if I saw a sign that said wet paint, I I (laughs) wanted to go touch (laughs) it. It says, don't touch. But I wasn't sure if it was still wet, or and I really wanted to test the sign. And the sign is what the Bible would call the law. And, you know, the law has no power to change us. It only shows us our failures, and it only shows us our weaknesses. And that guard, that second reason for the option in the garden was to reveal the weakness of man apart from fellowship with God.
0: Okay. All right. Well, that's that's it's something. It's a, you're at least explaining, uh, you know, what you believe it is. I was I was hoping for something biblical, you know, that uh, that would be more definitive. But that's a very good, excellent explanation of what it most likely was his reasoning. But of course, we're never going to know what his, you know, reasoning actually is. Until we, I guess. Uh, reach upstairs.
3: Well, and I think one of the things that we lean on, you know, one of the ways that you ask answer some of these questions biblically is to lean back on the revealed character and nature of God. You know, while there's no verse that says, this is why God put the the tree in the garden, there's nowhere where we will find that verse. When we come back to um, the character and the nature of God, then we begin to understand where is you know where is his heart on the matter, and choice is a very important part of relationship. Um, there was nothing really essentially evil or wrong about the tree. Uh, it was it was simply the prohibition. God could have said, uh, "I don't want you to touch this rock. I don't want you to go in this area of the garden." He he could have he could have brought about a limitation on anything at any part of the garden, but that was his choice. And it was through the limitation that revealed man's utter need for for god and and think about that in our lives. It's the limitations that God places upon us only in fact reveal our absolute desperation and need for him.
0: Hmm.
2: Very true
3: so.
0: No, I agree with you. I'm, 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 yeah, I'm taking in what you're, what you're saying, yeah.
3: It's good. I mean, that's a, it's a good question. I'm glad you asked it.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, thank you very much, Pastor. You okay. have a great and blessed evening.
3: All right. God bless you.
0: All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
3: 690 is the number. 303 uh, 690 We're going to go back to the phone lines. We do have a couple of lines open if you want to take them. We've got calls from Baltimore today. Damien, Baltimore, Maryland. Welcome to the program.
2: Hi, good evening, Pastor. Good evening.
3: Damien, how can I help you?
2: I'd like to ask a couple of questions. Um, what does it mean to be saved, and what are we saved from?
3: That's a great question. So when we use the word saved, uh, and when the Bible used the word salvation, uh, it it has the, the depth of meaning that, speaks of being rescued or being uh, taken from danger. And the meaning of saved from the Bible uh, means that we are rescued from the penalty of our sins. And the penalty of our sins is the wrath of God. And, And it's important that we understand that the Bible declares to us that God defines what sin is and what sin isn't. And he also defines what the penalty for sin is. And he said it very clearly that the wages of sin is death. And so, what would we be saved from? The wrath of God, the very judgment of God is what a person is saved from. And one of the aspects of salvation, of being saved from the wrath of God, Is being saved from daily, uh, of from the daily existence, your a human being's existence of being in the wrath of God moment by moment. Do you know the Bible just declares that an unsaved person lives with the judgment of God already upon them, and so when we are born again, we are saved from that daily wrath of God. And another aspect (coughs) of salvation then also extends into eternity, where we're saved from the wrath of God that is expressed through separation from God. And the Bible often refers to the place that we, a person that would be separated from God, we commonly refer to it as hell, but many times in the Bible it's called Sheol or Gehenna or the lake of fire. It refers to an eternal state of being separated from God for all of eternity.
2: Okay. So what are some scripture references for your answer?
3: Well, I mean, <clears throat> when, you, when you think about, uh, let's say, let me think from the top of my mind here, um, the idea of being saved is used about, that word is used about 600 times, well, actually about 300 times, um, uh, one one place in First Peter chapter one, it says, you know, God paid a ransom to save you from your empty life that you inherited from your ancestors, and the ransom He paid was not merely gold or silver. Um, we think of the uh, passage of Scripture that <clears throat> in James chapter five, verse twenty, um, there is a salvation that brings a sinner from death. Um, The wrath of God is mentioned many times in Scripture. Uh, So let me think in Romans uh, chapter, let me get to it, uh, where the Bible says the wrath of God abides on you uh, as we, uh, let's see here. The, the law brings about wrath. God brings about wrath. F- Romans chapter 5, verse 9. Much more than having now been justified freely from his, by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath uh, through him. Um, I mean, there's quite a few okay. scriptures uh, that would cover this topic of salvation and what do we save from. If you email me, I can send you some of them.
2: Okay, what's your email?
3: Pastor Ed? At CalvaryAurora.org. CalvaryAurora.org. Uh, Jesus Himself spoke a lot about uh, the eternal state, uh, and and I think it's Matthew chapter twenty-five. Um, it says in Ephesians five that the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Um, yeah, there's quite a bit of there's quite a bit of discussion on the topic. I mean, that's a because that question is so wonderful, the answer of salvation by faith through by grace through faith is all throughout the scriptures. So, um, I'd love to send you some things that will help you look these things up.
2: Okay, because I always thought being saved, uh, I mean, like, to be saved from from hell.
3: Yeah, I, 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 I mentioned that. That's part of it. it. Uh huh.
2: That okay. So um uh, so why is a pre-tribulation rapture necessary if we're actually saved from hell.
3: Say that again. Why is a pre-tribulation rapture necessary for what?
2: If we're actually saved from hell.
3: I'm not sure what you're putting together exactly. A pre-tribulation rapture is not necessary for a person to be saved from hell. It's not a part of the essential doctrine of salvation. So how are Uh you connecting them?
2: Yeah, as I said, I thought being saved means mean to be saved from hell. Nothing else, just being saved from hell. So I'm just wondering um, why is a pre tribulation uh, rapture necessary if we're already saved?
3: It's not necessary if you're already saved. That's why I'm wondering how you're connecting those two pieces. It's not, a view of a pre tribulation rapture is not necessary for a person to be saved at all zero. So in your mind I'm trying to understand how are you putting those together who taught you that a pre-tribulation rapture is necessary to be saved?
2: Now well, I've been hearing a lot that the, uh, the rapture will take place before the tribulation but I agree you know
3: I, I believe in that view. I believe in that view but not I don't I've never heard that view taught that it's necessary for salvation.
2: Well, not necessary for salvation, but, I mean, you know, if if we're already saved from hell, I, I don't see why we should be putting our hope in a pre-tribulation rapture. We it shouldn't should be... be putting
3: our hope in a pre-tribulation rapture. So that's another good point. Our hope is not in a pre-tribulation rapture. Our blessed hope is the soon return of Jesus Christ. Okay. So we wouldn't want to ever put our hope in a pre-tribulation rapture. Now... I, I don't want to read into your questions, but let me offer something to you to see if it might help you. When the Bible, when the Bible says in Romans that uh, believers are not appointed unto wrath, there is a connection with a with a view of the pre tribulation rapture that the entire seven years, uh, the f- entire last seven years of human history, is the great tribulation period, and a pre tribulation period, a pre tribulation view of eschatology says that a believer, a true saved believer, is not appointed to endure the wrath of God, both etern- eternally and temporarily. Like, the wrath of God has been poured upon Jesus Christ on your behalf and on mine. And therefore, a, a part of the argument, part of the biblical argument of the pre-tribulation view is that because the Great Tribulation is um, a pre-tribulational view... That, referring to the great tribulation, is the very wrath of God poured out on earth to an unbelieving, rebellious people that a believer, not being appointed to wrath, being saved from wrath, both now and eternally, will not have to face the judgment that God, that God makes a distinction, and he does that often. He makes a distinction and raptures believers before the great tribulation period. But... That's not necessary for salvation. That's a that's not that's not a necessary view for a person to be
2: saved. Okay. Understood. Um I do appreciate you guys. I enjoy listening to listening to you guys on a daily basis. So thank you very much.
3: No. Thank you, Damien, for um giving us the insight from your question.
2: Okay. Bye. All right, Bye. thank Bye. you. Three oh three six nine
3: Zero three thousand is the number three o three six nine o three thousand is the number. Let's see here. I'm going to go back to the phone line, and we're going to come back here to Colorado. Uh, is it Shanty? Shantae. Shantay in Centennial, Colorado. Welcome to the program, Shante.
1: Hi, Pastor. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm good.
3: What can I do so for you? My, oh,
1: so my question is, um, my grandmother and my aunt and my grandpa, they um, they believe in pastors, you know, Jennings teaching. I don't know if you've ever heard of him before. I
3: haven't, But
1: no. um, he, um, they had went to Oklahoma to one of his, um, I don't know how you say it, but one of his, um, I guess, Bible teachings. And then um, they had came back, and now every other weekend um, they drive down from Oklahoma to come and do church over here. Okay. So my grandma, she didn't really believe in it before. Um, She would watch you, and she would go with me and my husband to your church, but she stopped going because she had gotten sick. Okay. And they had, I guess, like a Bible study meeting, and they would have church over there at, um, where they would meet. And so basically, um, the pastor had told her, if you don't speak in tongues, you won't be saved. And they're using, I think it's, um, I can't remember, I think it's Acts 328 as to saying that um, if you don't speak in the tongue, if you don't speak in tongues, then you won't be saved. So I guess I just wanted clarification on that, if that is true, or if it's if they're misinterpreting
3: it wrong. Okay, there's no Acts 3.28, so
1: oh, okay. I'm, I'm not, not sure. I, I, I can't remember which one exactly it is. I'm, I'm trying
3: sure. to think of what Scripture would be used to justify that because the, the, the simple answer is no. The, okay. That teaching is not true. Um, okay. And the clearest passage that I can think of in relationship to this topic, is in First Corinthians chapter 12, verse 30, and it says, "Do all have the gifts of healings? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret?" And he's asking rhetorical questions. He's saying, "You know, the answer is obviously no. <laughs> Not everybody yeah. does these." Because he also, and you go, Ed, but that's how is that possible? Uh, well, he asks all if you go backwards. It says, God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, miracles, gifts, healings, helps, administrations, variety of tongues. And then he asked the question, are all apostles? And I know that your grandma, as she would answer that question, she'd have to say no to that. Um, Because um, we know that with, with the, the, um, the strict definition of apostles. That was a limited number of people. And even the expression of apostleship today is not given to everyone, right? And then she says, "Are all, or excuse me, then Paul says, are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have the gifts of healings? Do all speak with tongues? And so he's asking what's known as rhetorical questions where the answer is already known. And the answer is no everybody's not there everybody's not an apostle everybody's not a prophet like with just this list um, if we didn't if we interpreted this verse any other way then every single person living is an apostle a prophet a teacher a worker a miracle has the gift of healings and all speak with tongues and interpret them mm-hmm. and then he then he then he emphasizes even more with the expectation that the answer is no and then he says in verse 31 in contrast but earnestly desire the best gifts, and even then I'll show you a more excellent way. There's something more important than tongues in the body of Christ, in the life of the believer. You know what it is? Love. And that's what chapter 13 teaches. He says, I'm going to show you the more excellent way, and what's more excellent than tongues and all the gifts is love. Mm -hmm. So the answer is, And, you know, I would be very gentle with your grandmother, but in relationship to everyone listening, the answer to your question is absolutely, 100%, no, 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 no. It is not necessary.
1: Yeah, because she was saying when they had um, said in, because I guess how my aunt was interpreting it was when they said, when you speak in tongues, that means you have the gift. So if you don't speak in tongues, you're not going to be like, like you said, an apostle or a preacher or anybody, you know, who um, has like the power of healing and stuff. She was just, I think, from how she was interpreting it and how the pastor, Gino Jennings, does it if you don't speak in tongues, then... I'll
3: tell you what, you hear the music. I'm going to put you on hold. Can you wait for a couple minutes to the other side of the break? Yes. Yeah. Okay, hold on. Yeah, sure. Hey, you hear the break. We're going to take a real quick breather and we'll be right back. This is Calvary Live. My name is Ed Taylor.
0: Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now.
3: Hey, welcome back to Calvary Live. My name is Ed Taylor, taking your calls and your questions here on Calvary Live. It originates uh, here at Grace FM in Aurora, Colorado, And Grace FM covers a large section of the population of Colorado on two stations, 89.7 up here in the metro area and 101.7 down in Springs. And we'd sure appreciate it if you told somebody about the station. If you shared our website on your social media, just put, hey, listen to this great station, gracefm.com, and it'll populate for you. And you can listen online or maybe get the app and share the app. Uh, and say, hey, download this great app, uh, and um, tell your friends. It's the best way to get the word out about Christian radio. Uh, and you can go to gracefm.com. And then, of course, we're heard also on two other large networks and quite a few LPFMs around the country. So welcome everyone listening on Hope FM, everyone listening on Truth FM, and on the LPFMs around the country. We're grateful that you carry the show. If you're listening on the podcast, uh, the podcast is um, where we podcast Calvary Live. Uh, it, it takes a day or two to get it out, but uh, if you go to iTunes right now, we're going to redo our distribution here pretty soon, um, but we right now are on iTunes. You can just download it through iTunes podcast, and we would love to uh, connect with you and uh, just pray for us. And we are... In the middle of a phone call Uh, so let me finish that before i get to anything else i've got a few things to share but let me get back to i think it was on line one shantae welcome back hi uh so we were talking about speaking in tongues and the question was uh is it required to be saved the answer is no um if it was required to be saved uh, required for us to be saved it would become a work Right? We would have to produce something to prove that we're saved. And the Bible says that we are not saved by works, by our own works, but by grace. And then the question comes, or then the statement, well, it's not a work, it's an evidence. It's an evidence of salvation. But we have many people throughout the Scriptures that never spoke in tongues, um, that we know are saved. Um, Paul the Apostle mentions he spoke in tongues, but James never mentions you smoke in tongues. And remember on uh, when it comes, it's inferred on the very first time in Acts chapter 2 when um, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke in tongues. <clears throat> um, it says um, when the sound occurred, um, they were all amazed and marveled saying, um, look at these Galileans speaking in tongues. How do we hear them? And that was Parthamians and Elamites and all of that, Phrygia. Um, but it never says that Peter spoke in tongues. He just, that what it says in verse 14 is Peter stood up and raised his voice and spoke in English, or it spoke in Ar- um, Aramaic or Hebrew, or excuse me, <laughs> slow down, Ed, probably Greek or Aramaic uh, that he spoke in. And so it doesn't say that, um, it doesn't even say that Peter spoke in tongues. Okay,
1: because...
2: Um
1: they were just because basically every um, Sunday they say that they pray to speak in tongues. So is that like what you should be doing to be praying to speak in tongues? Because I was just when I heard them say that, I was like, that just I mean, because I'm not sure what verse it is um, by heart. I wish I had my phone because I wrote down all my notes that I wanted to ask and I had specific reference resp- for but I don't have it, unfortunately. But, um, they had said or the first that I had said and I tried to tell my grandmother was if you confess with your mouth that Lord is um, that the Lord is king or that the Lord is God and that um, he risen from the dead then you will be saved and I tried to say well does that mean nothing and then they're like well you need it and they just kept saying you these things and be saved that doesn't matter and it's like I guess it just I just wanted something from somebody who knows the Bible, who I believe, you know, when I go to church, and, you know, the teachings that I've been taught, to say, you know, this is, you know, not everybody's going to speak in tongues. You know, you have to have, like as you said, the certain gifts of being apostles to speak in tongues, and not every one of Jesus' apostles spoke in tongues, and they are saved.
3: Not only that, but the idea of... Um Let me just clarify, because some people were listening, Go wait a minute, it doesn't say in Acts chapter 2 that they all spoke in tongues? Well, in verse 4 it says, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So there is a possibility that everyone there spoke in tongues or that the Spirit gave utterance to some of them. But there's no place, like Paul, he very clearly says, I am glad I speak in tongues more than all of you. Uh, and so that was definitely a gift in his life, but the idea that, and I, I, I really haven't looked at the underlying passages that are used to to create this doctrine. I just know it's absolutely untrue. You know, I don't really spend a lot of time looking, but maybe I should just to to look at some of the verses that they use. But it's clear that when he speaks about. Uh, gift, healings, speaking in tongues, interpretation, that he gives then the instruction in verse 31, earnestly desire the best gifts. So that tells me that tongues being on that list is a gift to desire. And why would you desire the gift if you already had it? Mm -hmm. I mean, if you just take a simple, not even deep into doctrine, although we could go deeper, if Paul taught if the bible teaches that everyone has the gift of tongues then why are we told to desire it mm-hmm. i mean and, and and i mean on and on that theologically the nature of salvation we can refute that the fact that we're told to pray for it we can refute that um the the reality of, of uh, in chapter 14 pursue love desire spiritual gifts but also desire that you prophesy like you should you should ask God to give you the gift of prophecy Uh, and he goes on to show how tongues are to be exercised and he also uh, shares even those with tongues uh, can control themselves Um, and he says in verse 18 I thank God that I speak with tongues more than you all um, you know, he, he was excited about that, but he said, I'd rather speak with words that can be understood in a church setting than with the gift of tongues. And I'm trying, um, you know, if... Then he says in verse 26, when you're coming together, eat, everybody has a psalm, and then another person has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation. He says, stop that and let it be done for edification. Um, only two or three people can exercise the gift of tongues, and that's it. Um, then you have to stop in the, in the open setting. Uh, and I mean, it's just, we're not saved by works. And the evidence of salvation is not speaking in tongues. The evidence, one, one of the evidences of salvation is, is a demonstration of the character of Jesus Christ through your life, which is love. It's hard to convince. I know you're you're up against uh, difficulty in convincing them that um, this is an untrue statement, but it's it's just not held up by the biblical teaching at all.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's just, it is hard trying to convince her because she used to go to the church with us to, um,
3: see you and everything and she loves your teachings and everything and it's just now that you know she doesn't
1: know whether she's gonna be better or not and, can she call the show can you like have her on the phone and yeah i can i'm actually at her house right now oh hey <laughs> you know what um, yeah
3: i did you say 238 or 338 earlier
1: um i don't know if so in 238, so, so here it is, it's
3: 238, I don't know, okay. and I've just got to pray for clarity of mind today. In Acts chapter 2, verse 38, it says, then Peter said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit.
1: Yeah, that's, that's the one that
3: they refer to. So the gift of the Holy Spirit <clears throat> is not speaking of the individual manifestations of what the Spirit gives you, but rather the reception of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. That's what happens when you are saved. You receive the Holy Spirit. You would never be able to experience the gifts, plural, the uh, charis, the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit until you receive the gift of the very person of the Holy Spirit inside of you. That is not a passage at all referring to tongues, at all. Not, not anywhere in the context, anywhere, um, anywhere close um, to the gift of tongues when it comes to that.
1: And they were were saying, like, if you receive the Holy Spirit, then you'll start speaking in tongues. And then I was just, I I just didn't have, I guess, the full understanding. Because when I would tell them, they're like, yeah, it's in the Bible, then that's right. And then I would show them.
2: And they'd say, no, no, it says to
1: speak in tongues, and you have to speak in tongues. It's not true. And it's like, there's so many other different, I wish I had my notes, but... There's so many references that I've tried to show them, and they're like, no, right. oh, it's not in the Bible. <laughs> and it's like, it's in the Bible, and I've never seen anything that said um, you have to speak in tongues to be
2: saved.
3: It doesn't know where it's, it's made up. It's read into the text. You know, we, in, a, in fancy words, when we, when we allow the text to speak to us, it's called exegesis. But when we read into the text, it's called eisegesis. And this is a doctrine that's been read into the text. It is nowhere, anywhere in the Bible that could even possibly give a hint, even a possible hint, that it's necessary to speak in tongues in order to be saved. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just needed it. All right. Thanks for calling, Shante. If your right, grandma right. wants to call back, if she's ready to talk, I'd love to talk to her.
1: Okay, yeah, I will just, I'll go see you and I'll okay.
3: give you a call back. Either you, either it could be today or tomorrow. We're running okay, out of time tomorrow. today, so it could be tomorrow, and she can be okay. ready to. And I'd love to talk to her. Okay, all right,
1: doctor. Thank
3: you. Okay, bye right, bye. Hey, so I do uh, want to uh, date today's program. Today's Wednesday, May eighth. It's the day after. Uh, the horrific shooting over at the STEM school in Highlands Ranch, uh, where a hero by the name of Kendrick Castillo lost his life, saving other people's lives. Um, it's a sad, solemn day for our community. Um, I did check in on uh, Pastor Gino uh, and to see how he's doing. He's doing well. He's he and his church have been very involved in the Columbine shootings and. I also shot a call over to my friend, Pastor Fernando, who's right there in Highlands Ranch, and um, he's probably out ministering because I didn't get a chance to get a hold of him, but I left him a message. And, and there's a lot of great churches in the community, a lot of great believers that are mobilizing uh, to love and to serve. I just got this, uh, this email. I won't give the name, but I will read the email to you. It says, hey, I'm a member of your church. You met me and my fiancé. Uh, I want to ask for prayer regarding yesterday's shooting. Uh, Our kids go to the STEM. There's a 12-year-old that was running for her life inside the school, trying to escape the boy. Um, And it was the boy behind her that got shot. I mean, such trauma. I mean, I just, so much has happened, even waiting at the rec center, waiting to hear if if their son, who is nine, who is in the fourth grade, was safe because he was still in the school. And they didn't find out for hours later that he was okay. So they're asking for prayer for their family and friends, prayer for the Castile family, um, you know, prayer for the help that's needed in their family. And Father, I pray for God's strength and wisdom for this family, for their children, their fourth grader, and their 12 year old. And uh, uh, this is a, a very difficult situation in many different levels. And I pray that we, as the body of Christ, would be sensitive. Uh, We would be sensitive uh, to the Spirit dwelling in us, that we would be discerning. And I pray for this family in particular. God, would you please help us to shine the light of the gospel. And I pray for the pastors and the teachers and the administrators and um, so many believers that are um, involved in the life of the church. Um, May we... Be the light wherever we are to encourage and point people to the hope and then the gospel. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to uh, post a Bible study on our uh, my social media as soon as the show's over, uh, the Bible study that I shared on uh, a right response to sudden terror. Um, it was given right after. Uh, I think I gave a modified version after the Aurora Theater shootings, and then I gave, I shared this message again, edited, uh, after the shooting in Las Vegas. And I uh, just want to make it available to you that you can post on your social media. Uh, you can share. And most importantly, you can listen to you, to it. And I believe God will use his word to give you comfort and strength. It'll also give you, I'll, I'll share my notes with you. If you email me, I can give you a written version. It's not like a word for word. It's the notes I use to teach from. Uh, and it's you know got the essence of it and I'll share them for you with you. All you have to do is email me at pastored at calvaryaurora.org and you, and you can listen. So um, I'd encourage you to contact me or go on our social media. I'm going to share on my personal Twitter account uh, and I'm also going to share it on, um, maybe I'll put it up um, or I'll check and see if it's up on my blog. I got to check. I get these ideas and then I got to go do them. Um, but if you email me, I can just create some links and send them to you anyway. Um, so let me see if it's up on my blog. Um, it might. You know, dealing with grief and difficulty. It doesn't look like it's up on my blog. So maybe I'll write a little article and also post it on my blog, edtaylor.org. There's a lot of resources there to help you uh, navigate through grief, through trauma, uh, through difficulty um, using the Word of God. I encourage you to check it out, edtaylor.org. And like I said, our church Facebook, my personal Facebook, and my Twitter account, I will post something uh, and put it up there. I'll probably even put it on my Instagram, on an Insta story, uh, and put the link in my bio. Uh, in my, all, the, uh, all my social media, just go to edtaylor.org and scroll to the bottom. You can connect with me and all of my social media accounts, Rather than give you all of them. Just go to edtaylor.org and scroll to the bottom. <clears throat> I think they're also on our app. I mean, everywhere we get, so, we try to communicate so much. Um, they're everywhere. So you're on our app. There's a Connect page there, and also EdTaylor.org. So line three is Reba. Is it Reba? Yes. In Lakewood, Colorado, Reba, welcome to the program.
1: Thank you.
3: You're welcome. How can we help you?
1: Um, I just need some prayers. Okay. Just just one more more grace of God and. That's, that's, what I, that's
3: what I need. All right. Father, I pray for Reba as she is wanting to, and she already has, ask for help in prayer. You know, I can't think, I can't help but think of the passage of in Galatians where it says for us to help bear one another's burdens. And prayer is just one of the ways to bear one another's burdens. And so I pray uh, for Reba, and I lift her up before your throne room of grace. And I'm thankful for the finished work that you provided for us on the cross, Jesus, that would make a way and tear, the, tear down the veil of separation between us so we can rush into the throne room of grace to find help in time of need. And so I pray for Reba, and I bring her needs before you in all the areas of her life, all the battles and wrestlings that she has, uh, that she's in the middle of, things that she doesn't even know about yet, God, but that are weighing heavy in the spiritual realm. I pray, to God, that she would remember that she battles not against flesh or blood, but against principalities and powers, um, that her battle is a spiritual one and not a physical one. And I, God, lift her up to you, knowing that you hear our prayers and that you answer according to your will. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
1: Thank you so much. Okay,
3: call us back and let us know how it goes. Okay, I will. Thank you so
1: much. It has been blessing. I was just... The Holy Spirit has just guided me out of nowhere. Somebody just told me this channel, and I'm so thankful for
0: oh, him good. and
1: you guys that you're doing. And I was like, just keep passing it on. So thank you so much. God bless you.
3: Thank you. Bye-bye. 3000 We're going to move to Dustin in DeCono, <laughs> Colorado. don't at
1: all. That was <laughs> a good sign.
3: Dustin, welcome to the program.
1: They look tiny. They look little. Hello?
3: Hey, Dustin, you're on the air. Oh, I'm sorry. That's all right.
4: I <laughs> never had that happen. <laughs>
3: That's okay, you're on the air. What can um, I do for you? It.
4: Sorry, I've just been waiting for a while. For yeah, no problem. talking to me. Um, yeah, Mike, I just had a quick question. Okay. Um, lately, I've just kind of been hearing a lot of, like, uh, prophecy kind of news stuff, yes. and I listened to Grace FM a lot, and they were saying that uh, the earthquake in uh, Revelation 16, yes. that... that that supposedly destroys part of Jerusalem.
3: Okay, did they ref- and did they referenced what? Uh, let's see here. Uh, in Revelation 16.
4: Yeah, the the great earthquake of let's Revelation 16. Um, they were saying that the great city is divided in three parts, and they. Um, yes. Fernando Ortiz Fernando Ortiz was saying that's Jerusalem. And a lot of other people say that that's Jerusalem as well, hmm. and and I mean I I don't know
3: yeah, let me for see. sure.
4: I was just I guess my question is if Jerusalem must make it through that earthquake because my question is doesn't the Lord come back to Jerusalem? Isn't that like the big prophecy thing? You know?
2: Yeah, he
3: comes back in his uh, when he when his foot. Um hits the Mount of, of Olives, it splits in, it. splits in two, um, and I'm looking, I'm trying to see this final catastrophe, I'm, I'm trying to look at what, what I taught through it, and I don't see Jerusalem mentioned in my reference, it uh, doesn't mean it couldn't be possible, because there's no specific reference to that, uh, being Jerusalem there, but uh, thinking out loud, I don't see it in my notes when i taught through revelation so let me see one more let me see if i can find one more reference here
4: the the reference is Let's revelation 11:8
3: oh 11:8 not yeah, not revelation 16
4: well the the uh, the other the the second the second um scripture that deals with that cuz the word great city comes in revelation 11 as well Okay. And so that's where I think they get that from, but I'm not sure.
3: Yeah, I don't see the emphasis on Jerusalem at this point, not even in my teaching. It doesn't mean it's not there, but it must have not been that important for me to reference it. Let me uh, let me see here. Uh, let me see if I can look up one, uh, one of my references. Let's see here. Uh, 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 That's going to take a little bit of time. So, Um, I'm going to have to look it up real quick.
4: I could could email the church or something. You can
3: email me, but I'd like to get it out for everyone listening. Let's see. I don't know why. Uh, Yeah, you know, when you're trying to do many things at one time. Let me try one more. Uh, I've got a great resource uh, that a brother of mine put together. But I'll have to look it up later. You can email me. I can look it up while while I get some when I get some time to look it up. Here, let me let me see what John Corson says. I wasn't looking for that, but let's just see if he references Jerusalem at all. Revelation sixteen, Euphrates, um, gathered them, Armageddon, seventeen voices, thunders, um, well, yeah, maybe I have. So I don't see it in Revelation 11, 16, 10, 17 to 21. Uh, Megiddo, Calvary. I, I don't see a reference to Jerusalem. But again, that doesn't mean it. That doesn't mean it's not one. But I don't see a reference to Jerusalem be destroyed here.
4: Yeah, I, I don't know if they're destroyed, but they, they just said that the the city is divided. That's what the... That's what the message on Grace FM today was from Pastor Fernando Ortiz.
3: Yes, yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't think. Um, I mean, it's a great city. So, great city definitely refers to. Uh, but whether it's destroyed, you know, sp- um, let me go back to the text here. This is with Revelation. You got to do a little bit of thinking. Uh, it says it was divided into three parts, and the cities of the nations fell. So, the great city. All it says it's divided into three parts. It doesn't say it's destroyed. Um, so you know that what the divided into three parts means um I don't know what I don't know what Fernando said, but um a phrase of great city could definitely it's contrasted with great Babylon, which could also refer to uh Jerusalem, so I don't have a problem with that um I don't really see it being destroyed in the text um you know
4: but yeah, I mean
3: definitely a great ending.
4: Yeah, because I've I've always heard that there's going to be like house to house fighting from the book of Zechariah, and that's like all this is like, and then the Lord will return, like the armies will be gathered against Jerusalem, and like there's this, you know, yeah. this prophecy in Zechariah that has in the so they're like you know Jerusalem has to be intact or at least somewhat intact.
3: Yeah, I mean, verse nineteen is. Verse nineteen is pretty clear that it's divided into three parts, but I don't know that I would conclude it's destroyed. Um, you know, again, I didn't hear what he said. So,
4: um, no, he, he he didn't say that it was destroyed. He just said he he mentioned divided in three parts, okay. and then he mentioned he mentioned the division that was there between the Arabs, Christians, and yes. Muslims. Yes, and you know, so that's what he was. Uh, that's what he was alluding to. Yes, but I, I would agree with that. I didn't. What would you, yeah, so mean, did I misunderstand so, your
3: question? Are we, um,
4: no, that, I mean, okay, let me see.
3: So here's a, he here's a commentary that, I found. He didn't it, say so.
4: that, that were, there was destroyed. He just said that the city was divided, but so I it don't says, know what he meant by divided. I sent him an email already, Okay, but it, he won't probably get it today.
3: Well, let me, let me read to you what, yeah. And he might be caught, ta- caught up really with everything that's going on, uh, in Highlands Ranch. So,
4: yeah. Definitely.
3: And so let me put together. Oh, he just texts, so he's listening. So let me share with you what he texts. First of all, here's a commentary. It says, A result of this unprecedented earthquake is the splitting of the great city into three parts. The great city could refer to Jerusalem, according to Rome 11.8, to Rome, or even to Babylon on the Euphrates, 14.8, 17.18, and 18.10, to which the verse exp- refers to explicitly later. Probably Jerusalem is in view, it contrasts with the cities of the nations uh, in the phrase the great described before, and I agree with that. Zechariah's prophecy of topographical changes taking place around Jerusalem at this time argues for a geophysical rather than an ethnographic division, and that's where we get into Zechariah 14.4, which Fernando texts, and he texts Zechariah 14, four five, uh, and so he's going to compare with Zechariah 14, four five which is what the commentator refers to. And we only got one minute, so I'm on my... And then that day his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives, which faces Jerusalem on the east. The Mount of Olives shall be split in two, east to west. A large valley, half the mountain, shall move toward the north, and half of it toward the south. So you got uh, Fernando's answer. He texted, and it's consistent with that commentary. Appreciate you uh, calling and sticking around. Thanks, Fernando, for listening. We're praying for you, brother. praying for our city. We'll be back tomorrow, Lord willing. Uh, This is Calvary Live. My name is Ed Taylor. We'll see you tonight. We're studying the book of Daniel tonight here at Calvary Church. Go to calvaryaurora.org.
0: You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's Word.